If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5? 2 Kings chapter 5. This is a series that we started, and the Lord willing, this will be the last in this series. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. We finally have got Naaman to the, in front of the prophet who is in Samaria that the servant girl who Naaman uh, had taken on a raid to Israel said this was a guy that could heal Naaman of his leprosy. Now Naaman for those of you that may not know it was the commander or is the commander of the Syrian army in those days. It was the most powerful army of its time. And Naaman uh, was a well-respected man by the king and all of his men. He was a man of valor, but he had leprosy. And uh, a servant girl came, and actually on this journey, getting Naaman from his home in Syria to standing before this prophet in Samaria, we've met five people and in the lives of each one of these people, uh, questions have arisen that I believe uh, God gives us a message for our lives and how we relate. See, God is a people God. Uh, sin came into the world through man's disobedience. And God is a just God. And so God couldn't turn his back on sin. He couldn't do that. The demands of sin, um, no more than if you had a judge who uh, a man committed a heinous crime, uh, the judge were just to say, well, you go free. I realize in some places that is the case nowadays, but justice, that's not justice. And God couldn't do that, but the Bible tells us that God is love. And love found a way to meet the demands of justice and yet to fulfill the needs of mankind who needed a savior and needed to be brought out from underneath that yoke of sin. And that was in the personage of Jesus Christ. Amen. Love found a way in the personage of Jesus Christ to meet the demands of justice. Amen. And so in the lives of, and how we respond to people, how we interact with people, really determines oftentimes how they view God. You know, if we claim to be a Christian for years, I had trouble relating to Father God because my, my dad and I never did get along. Uh, number one, I didn't understand him. Uh, my folks were divorced when I was very young. They came to me one day when I was nine and said, we're getting a divorce, you're going with your dad. And my dad loved my mom very much and and he was an iron ore miner and so he went off and began to drink a lot and so I saw my dad once every every couple of weeks you know if I wanted groceries I went down to the local store and that was my life until I I left home and so I had trouble relating 
to a father who uh, uh, who loves us and cared for us. Uh, the reason I'm smiling is uh, I lived alone a lot and one day I came home from school and my dad was there and he had had a few too many to drink and he was cooking steaks on the stove and I knew my dad he was gonna get something to eat and he was gonna go right back out and drink again and I probably wouldn't see him for another couple of days and so he took these steaks and he put them on his plate and on mine and he put mushrooms on them and I could tell I was a, a freshman in high school and I could tell from the mushrooms that they weren't bought they were picked now when my dad was sober my grandma had taught him how to pick good mushrooms but my dad had had a way too not just a few but he had too many to drink and I was worried and so I saw these mushrooms on my plate and I said um, you know you didn't argue much with my dad and I said dad um, <clears throat> uh, how do we know these mushrooms are very good and he goes you just eat them they're okay and of course as a kid I thought you know I could just see myself after he left wreathing in pain and I thought if I die I'll just never talk to you again it'll serve you right <laughs> Of course, I didn't die, and I still eat mushrooms to this day, but, but anyway, I had trouble relating to a Heavenly Father who really cared about me. And in the lives of these people, I believe God had a message for each one of us. For the servant girl who was taken on one of the raids, uh, ripped from her own family, might have even seen some of her family killed, we don't know, the message is forgiveness. How do we deal with people who have injured us or someone we love? Can we honestly forgive like the Bible says? And then Naaman's wife, the servant girl goes to Naaman's wife and says, hey, if uh, my master knew of the prophet who's in Samaria, he could heal him of his leprosy. And the thing is, are we open and humble of heart enough to receive help and instruction from God when, when no matter how it comes? You know, God approaches, we're individuals in this kingdom of God. And God will approach each one of us many times differently. Now that doesn't mean every weird thing is of God. That's not what I'm saying. But I mean, in the Bible, God even used a donkey. I mean, he spoke to a man and saved his life. And so, um, are we open of heart enough to receive instruction from God? And then the king of Syria... How much do you love people? Naaman went to him and said, hey, there's a guy over in Samaria that I've heard from this uh, servant girl can heal me. And I'd like to go. And, and the king of Syria said, go, I'll write you a letter here. Do we love people enough that we'll do whatever it takes to see that they get help that they need, point them to Christ? Are, are we willing to do that? And then the king of Israel, you know, he was suspicious. And uh, so are we open when God approaches us in a new way? You know, I mean, here comes the, the commander of the Syrian army who has raided your kingdom. And then uh, time after time and taken prisoners. And then he comes to you, Jerry, and he says, uh, you know, you're given a note from the commander of that army that's been raiding you. And it says, hey, I want you to let my servant go ahead and 
go see the prophet in Samaria. And he, the king said, you know, he was suspicious. Are we that way when God presents us with opportunities many times? And then there was the Elisha, that's the prophet in Samaria. When God provides us with opportunities, are we open and uh, are we prepared to hear from God and to be obedient or are we moved by the grandeur of the moment and we just act on our own. Yeah, look at me, boy, God sent me this guy and I'm gonna tell him. You know, are we, uh, Elisha, he listened to the Lord. And then there's Naaman who, the question a couple weeks ago in the life of Naaman was, are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to receive what God has for you to, has for you? You know, Naaman had to get out of his comfort zone. I mean, here he is, the commander of the army of Syria, and a servant girl tells his wife that there's a guy in Samaria who can heal him. Now, it could be a trap. I mean, I'm sure that's, that Naaman had gone to every doctor that was around. So, and then he had to go to his king, and I can just see that, you know. Uh, excuse me, king. Um, uh, you know, there's a servant girl that we uh, took on this raid, you know, in Syria or in Israel. And she says, there's some guy over in Samaria that can heal me of my leprosy. Uh, I know that's enemy territory and all of that, but I'd kind of like to go. Do you mind? I mean, that's getting out of your comfort zone. And then to approach the king of Israel, whom you have been raiding his country. You've been at war with him and you go to him and hand him this letter that says, Oh, by the way, King, I need a favor from you. Do you mind if I go into your territory and see, you know, uh, this man of God? I mean, he had to get out of his comfort zone. And the question is, and when we are not willing to get out of us, our comfort zone, we learn there's three things. We'll miss the voice of God. We miss the blessings of God. And then we cause others to miss out on the blessings of God. And so... Now Naaman is there, verse 9, let's just read verse 10, I'm going to go with, and Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a message, messenger to Naaman, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Verse 11, but Naaman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, surely this prophet will come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abanath and Farfar, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and went away in rage. So now, Naaman not, out of, not only got out of his comfort zone, but now he has another decision to make. Is he willing to be obedient to what God asks him to do to receive what God has for him? And that's our question this morning. Are you willing to be obedient to what God asks you to do 
to receive what God has for you. I remember, you know, sometimes that's a tough question. Sometimes it requires we get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it doesn't. I remember, listen, if God would have told me when I became born again and I was sitting in that pew that I'm going to call you to preach and you're going to go to Africa and you're, I'd have got him walked out. No way. I remember the first time I'd spoken to young people. I remember the first time I spoke at a Sunday morning service. There was probably 150, 200 people there. And the pastor had said, you know, it's time you graduate. And so I stood up and I gave my message and it was seven minutes and I sat down and that was it. And the pastor said, is that all? I said, that's it. Seven minutes. We had a lot of happy people that Sunday morning. <laughs> but the bottom line was this. Are we willing to be obedient? You know, in the lives of each one of you, God is probably asking you to do something. It might be get involved with a, a little league or a, a youth sports team. It might be involved in the ministry helps in the church. It might be a Sunday school teacher. It could be a missionary. I don't know. I'm not God. But a, a couple of things happen when we're not obedient to the things that God asks us to do. Number one, we miss out on the will of God for our life. That's the first thing that happens. And the best example that I can give you of that is Adam and Eve. God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. God said, God looked at it and he declared that it was good. And God's will for Adam and Eve was God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. In other words, bring it under your control and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and everything that moves upon the earth. That's yours. Here, this is my will for you. And the Bible says that God would come in the cool of the day and they would fellowship with God. They would fellowship with God. That was God's will for them. The only thing God told them was, look, the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, you can't eat of it. Don't eat, leave it be. That's the only thing God gave them. Now we know the rest of the story. They disobeyed God. And because they disobeyed God, they missed out on what God's will for them was. Why? Well. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Death entered their life, and I'll get to all of that in a minute. But they missed out on what God's will for them was. And understand that God has a will for your life. And it may not be as dramatic as it was for Adam and Eve. Let's, let's look at Jonah. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. There's a lot of people in Nineveh, and I want you to preach repentance so that they aren't killed. And instead of going this way, Jonah went this way. And it, he disobeyed God. And what happened? Well, he wound up in the belly of a big fish for three days until it finally spit him out. Now, yours may not be as dramatic as Jonah's or Adam and Eve's, 
But see, God has a will for us. If you'll notice in Psalm 139, when God created you, He put within you certain gifts, certain enablings. And the Bible says, just like a bird is away from its nest, so is a man who's away from what God has called him to do. And when I say man, I mean mankind. I mean male or female. Please understand that, ladies. Okay? And so you ever see a bird that maybe a cat's coming up and it's got a nest here and it has to try to lead the cat away and it's fluttery? And that's the way mankind is when we're not in our calling. And I can testify not only in my own life, but I can testify it in the lives of a lot of people. I can. I can remember being on stage and, and, and Glenn Campbell had a song out called Rhinestone Cowboy. And in that song, there's a line that most people who aren't on stage don't understand. But the line of the song is this. There'll be a load of compromising on the way to my arriving, but I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me. Now, I never took drugs. I drank a lot for years, but that's more addictive. That being up there, I never realized that I was perverting what God had for me. And I would come down from that stage and it was just like, what's the youth? And yeah, okay, so we open for this guy. And then, because we're a good band, we get to open for this guy and this guy, and you come down and you go, what's the use? What, what is it? God has put inside of you certain abilities and gifts. And when God asks us to do something, it can be that little or it can be that big. When we're disobedient, we miss out on His will. And His will is what brings peace in our life. I'm at greater peace here than I ever was up there on that stage. Second thing that happens is, when we're disobedient to the Lord, we miss out on the blessings of God. Now, um, the obvious is Naaman. If he would have followed through, with him being angry because the prophet didn't come out and lay hands on him and say, oh, that's say the Lord. You know, my wife will tell you a story one time. She was sick. And she said, Owen, would you pray for me? And so without even thinking about it, I said, sure. I just did what the Lord told me in the name of Jesus be healed. And I walked off. And she said, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> now, if you don't know my wife, that's what I got. But three minutes later, she came back and she said, oh, and it's gone, I'm healed. She said, and it's not like, well, I'll look at all. No, 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 no. It's, I just did what God told me to do. And it's not me, it's God. Um, turn with me to 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, Israel has decided that up until this time they have been ruled by prophets and they have decided they wanted a king 
And so they got a king by the name of Saul. And the Bible tells us that Saul was head and shoulders taller than any man in the kingdom. And he was extremely handsome. And he was their king. But the problem was, Saul decided that he was going to rule the kingdom and not let God rule it through him. Okay? And so, in 1 Samuel, God had sent Saul and the armies of Israel to battle a people called the Amalekites. And God told Saul, he said, I want you to kill everybody. I want you to wipe them out. They're evil. And not only wipe them out, but you wipe out everything that breathes. That's their animals as well. Now, aren't you glad that under the new covenant, God doesn't deal with us like that anymore? Aren't you glad? I am. Because I'll tell you why. I'd you pile a cinder right here on the floor. I would. I mean, you know. So you know where it's at. So Saul goes and fights the Amalekites and he wins. And Samuel, Saul comes back to his home. Now remember, he was supposed to utterly destroy everything. And the prophet Samuel said, What then is, what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? and the lowing of oxygen, oxen, oxygen, oxen, which I hear. And Samuel said to Saul, didn't, didn't God tell you that you're supposed to wipe everybody out? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And I, I wiped everybody out, but I brought you the king of the Amalekites so you could do with them like you want and and then he goes on and in verse 21 he says but the people now the people took the plunder of the sheep and the ox and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal Gilgal now his intentions might have been right but listen to what Samuel replies to Saul has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience obedience is far better than sacrifice he is much more interested in your listening to him than your offering the fat of rams to him for rebellion is as bad as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Whew. That's not good. In other words, Saul, you blew it. Saul, you blew it. In other words, you can come to, let me put it in today's vernacular. You can come to church seven days a week. You can put in all of your money. You can sing know all of the songs. But if you're not obedient to what God tells you to do, God's not pleased in that. God's not pleased in that. And so listen to what the Bible says if you want the blessings of the Lord upon you. Isaiah 1 and 19. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. 
Luke 11:28 happy and to be envied blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey and practice it Deuteronomy 11:27 you'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and I love Joshua 1:8 Moses has died and Joshua is about to take over um, leading the children of Israel and there's seven million how'd you like to wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're responsible for several million people I, I don't know about you but you know what the Lord told him Joshua 1 8 this book of instruction shall not depart out of your mouth but you'll meditate on it day and night and when you do that when you meditate on it day and night and you observe and do everything that's written there and in other words when you're obedient you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success and so church if we're disobedient we not only miss out on the will of God for our life but we miss out upon the blessings of the Lord of our life oh Saul Samuel told him he said God's removed you as king you're no longer going to be king of Israel and thirdly so we miss out on the will of God for our life the blessing of the Lord upon our life and when we're disobedient to the Lord now understand something here the church Christianity is not a series of do's and don'ts okay understand that I'll tell you the best way I can equate Christianity when I came to know my wife almost 51 years ago and we got married it wasn't a series of do's and don'ts it wasn't that way at all it was a relationship of love where my my heart's desire was not only to see my wife blessed but to see her grow in what God had called her to do. I wanted to see her do that. I just, what little I knew of my wife then, because I only knew her 27 days before we got married, I could tell she was a wonderful person. And my heart's desire was just, and you know what? That was her heart's desire for me. Well, understand that's God's desire for you. God's desire is that as an individual, that it just you grow in what he's created you to be. But when we're disobedient, we not only miss out on the will of God and the blessings of God, but we open the door for bad things to happen in our life. Now, let me stop right here. Okay, every time somebody is going through something, every time something bad happens to someone, it is not, it is not, it is not, it is not because they were disobedient or they have some sin in their life. And sometimes we as Christians are quick to point fingers and say, oh, I wonder what they did wrong. And that's not necessarily the case. But you know what? When we are disobedient, we do open the door. 
for bad things to happen. Look at Adam and Eve. Not only did they get kicked out of the garden, but look at in Genesis 3.16 to the woman, God said this, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. He'll rule over you. That's not good. Look at what he said to the man. Because you've heeded the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Men, that was our predecessor. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. I mean, you talk about bad things. And you remember King Saul I was just telling you about? He disobeyed God. Things progressively got worse for him. He not only consulted a median, but he went to battle. And in that battle, he watched his sons, Jonathan, Melchishua, and Benadab kill, get killed in battle. He watched them. And then he got wounded by an archer, and it was so bad, he finally fell on the sword and committed suicide. Boom. The death of a king, the death of a nation. And I'll tell you what's so sad about that. They hung, if you, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 31, here's what's so sad about that. They stripped him, the Philistines came and stripped them. And they took it. They hung his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth and they fashioned his body to the wall of Bethshan. If you know history, if you were to take where Saul was anointed king, you could literally pick up a rock and you could throw it and hit the wall of Beth Shan. His disobedience, he hadn't gone very far in life. How sad. How sad. And yours may not be that dramatic. It can be something as simple as God saying, look, I want you to get up and spend an extra five minutes a day with me. God may be telling you to, like I said, help out with a youth organization or get involved in a ministry of helps or maybe a Sunday school. Go to a neighbor maybe that, well, I don't like them or that hasn't treated you right and yet God wants you just to walk on over and put your arms around them and say, do you mind if I pray for you? You know, we went to Cheyenne and I stopped in Douglas and we ate in Douglas, Wyoming. And there was a waitress there and I'd never met her. And I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit in me. And finally I said, ma'am. And she came over and my wife and they were sitting at the table. And I said, ma'am, I just feel a prompting in my spirit that I'd like to share something with you. 
and I began to share just very, very briefly something that the Lord had put on my heart. And so, I don't know what that lady was going through, but I can tell you this much, the Holy Spirit ministered to her. Was it out of my comfort zone? Sure. I didn't know the lady from Adam or Eve. I didn't know. What has God got for you this morning? Is it out of your comfort zone? Maybe it's something you've never done before. But just as God used these six people to proclaim his love and his grace so that Naaman could be healed, and then he would take it to the people of Syria. I want you to show you something. Go back to 2 Kings, if you would, please, chapter 5. You talk about getting out of his comfort zone, verse 13, and Naaman's servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, and my father was just a term that servants used to, to call their masters. That was, in those days, that's what they would say to them, uh, my father. If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? What a good point. Well, if God tells me to go to, you know, uh, God tells me to go to Africa, I'll go. In World War II, George Patton, General George Patton had a saying, he would tell the troops. Now, I can't say it in Patton's exact words, because it's not that nice. But he would say this. Listen, I don't want you to die for your country. I want you to make the other individual bleep, 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 die for his country. Okay? God doesn't want, well, I'll give my life for God. No, 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 just do what he's told you to do. Do you for your neighbor. Just do what he said to do about worshiping him or, or getting involved with a young person or in the ministry of helps. Listen to what happens because, so Naaman went down, verse 14, dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean and he returned to the man of God and he said, Indeed, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Whew. Go wash seven times. All of Syria is going to hear about God. And then look at verse six, 17. So Naaman said, also, for you give, if it please you, give your servant two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Wow. Listen, I don't know what God's talking to you about, but you know what? He cares. He cares. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? I'm going to ask the ushers to come. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. But I want to enter into communion with this. 
if God would use six people and a muddy river to meet the needs of a Gentile, a man who had no covenant with God at all, but God met his need and he was healed. This morning as we take the bread and the wine, how much more will God do for you, you who have a covenant with God through his son, Jesus Christ? How much more will he do to meet your need? And you know this morning as we take, as they pass out the bread and the wine, as we're taking it, as we take the bread and we say, okay, God, you bore my sins in your own body. You didn't send a substitute. You took, you yourself took mine. And by your blood, and you've given me eternal life, and by your blood I've made, been completely whole. I've got a covenant with you. You know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to very quietly and personally just say, God, I've got this need. It may be healing. It may be an, an arrest of fear. It may be financial, whatever it may be. But I'd like you just to say, Father, I've got a covenant with you. And if you'll do this for Naaman, and you're no respecter of persons, how much more will you meet my needs? How much more will you meet my needs? Your only son, no sin to hide.